We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, the madness has come in January, folks. The Field of 68 After Dark is here for it. I'm John Fanta, and it's Miller time. On a loaded night of college hoops, we've got Sean Miller. We've got Archie Miller. We've got Auburn and Alabama in the basketball iron bowl right now going down to the wire. Guys, Auburn awfully impressive in so many ways in this game. Wendell Green has been nothing short of fantastic. And here we are down the stretch, Nate Oates Crimson Tide showing why they've got wins over Gonzaga and a full-strength Houston team. Arch. What's your mindset here as we go down the stretch in Tuscaloosa? Well, they're on one heck of a run right now. I mean, I think Auburn's pretty much controlled a good part of this second half, but a uh, couple missed free throws here and there, and Alabama can really score the ball. And, you know, as you can see, they have the momentum of the crowd. They got it all going on right now. And this last four, 344, last four-minute war, whatever it's going to be here, all the momentum right now is to Alabama, and uh, this is going to be a good finish. Uh, both teams are really competing. Auburn's really good, but, you know, Alabama just has that thing in them, and they can score in bunches. Yeah. yeah. And, John, we, we were talking earlier, you know, I think Kessler's addition to Auburn is somewhat understated because of all the attention that Jabari Smith gets and Wendell Green, you know, th those guys are – obviously all very good. I mean, when you talk about Auburn, they're balanced, but Kessler in particular because of his shot blocking ability and the fact that he gives them that size in and around the rim that is just, just so coveted in it. And it fits so well with the rest of Auburn's parts, him fouling out here when he did and him only scoring two points in his game. If this game goes towards Alabama, you know, Walker Kessler in this game, has been negated to some degree, you know, A, by fouling out, and B, you know, he scored two points in the game uh, that he played in. Yeah, and, and I think that in a position like this, you've got a Dylan Cardwell who has three blocks on the night. They might need the sophomore to do a little bit of rim protecting here down the stretch. But, Arch, you brought this up earlier before we got on the air. This is a position here late in this game. Yes, Kessler out. Uh, but it's amazing how much of a better two-point defense Auburn is as a whole this year. That's making such a big difference with that. It's a huge difference in their team. I think a year ago they were in the 170s in two-point field goal percentage defense, you know, and 
you know, that, that's, that's not very good for a power five team this year. They're top five and Walker Kessler being the number one shot blocker, you know, per minute played um, in the country um, is, is a big reason, but I think their added depth, Jabari Smith being on the floor at his size and length added depth, you know, with, with, um, you know, Cardwell coming in behind Kessler, they're constantly big uh, inside right now, which a year ago they weren't as big, but they got great depth. And one of the big reasons that Auburn has made the jump that they have is because they're one of about eight teams that can claim that they're top 10 in efficiency on both offense and defense. And uh, when you're at that level um, here at this stage of, of the year, that kind of starts to point you and starts to trend you in a good way. You know, Arch, when you get into conference play, especially a conference like the SEC this year, uh, the last four minutes of the game is just everything. You know, how many games are going to, if you just stopped it with four minutes left at that media timeout, a lot of times the, the winner won't be winning. I mean, it's, and the margin is simply one possession, two possessions. And, you know, right now this game's kind of tied up going into the, the 10th four minute segment. And it's interesting because what Alabama has going is home court. Yeah. One of the hardest things to do in conference play is win on the road. What Auburn has is the better defense and the best player. If you have the best player and the best defense of the two teams, a lot of times that's what will win out. And obviously Alabama's playing with great energy and emotion in front of their home crowd. But I'll go with Auburn not even knowing right now, simply because the best player on the court and Auburn is a much better defensive team. Knowing that the big fella Kessler fouled out, I think that's what will win the game here tonight. Arch. Yeah, you, know, you know, they've they've pretty much controlled this and had double figure leads all the way through. And the last time that Alabama closed the gap, they were able to respond in a big way. And, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think last four minutes in January and February in conference play on the road, it's really difficult to find a way to win. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's when this is when the free throw line comes into play. You know, can you make free throws? Arch, could you have ever seen Wendell Green Jr. going from Eastern Kentucky University to Auburn and doing this? You know, Wendell Green is from Detroit, Michigan, played on a small AAU team that his father coached back when he was about 10th grade. He's about the same size that he is now. Terrific competitor. And, uh, you know, moved on to Lalamere goes to Eastern Kentucky, really terrific player. Um, but if you'd have told me that, you know, what he's done for Auburn, um, it's hard to believe. Not that he can't do it or he's not that good, but he is an absolute difference maker for them. I mean, he leads them in shot attempts coming, you know, into this game. He had 17 shot attempts. Which may not be a good thing. Could be a good, <laughs> may not, but, you know, he, he's had 19 and 20 on the road and they're getting solid play from him on the transfer portal from Eastern Kentucky, but he's a, he's a good piece to what they're doing. He's a competitive kid. Man, like, I just think to myself right now, Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl, they know everything about each other. They've got hours of tape on each other. They know the tendencies. Like when you're in league play and you're in this situation, what's the dynamic of, yeah, coaching, figuring a trick up your sleeve? Versus these dudes got to make plays. Your, your, your best talent has to come through. Your best players have to play. That, that's number one. Your best players 
and your most important guys that you're going to get shots for, your most important guys that need to get stops, whether it's Auburn or Alabama, whoever's best players step up and play will be really, really important here down the stretch because those are the guys you're going to ride with. Man, Auburn's been fortunate here. Alabama's had a couple of open threes and a block from behind in transition to keep it at 75 apiece. Two and a half minutes left. This is what it's about here. This is college basketball, baby. Hey, after they finished that football game, they said we're going to start it off with a bang today. They are. You know, Alabama hasn't shot it particularly well here recently. I think that's been one of their big problems. But they're only shooting, I think, tonight in the 20s from three. Here recently, they've yeah. made their last few, but there's, they're probably only about 26% in the game. We got a question. Here's, Here's a the thing, man. When you, when you get you get under three minutes, you get under four minutes, you asked the question earlier. It's so important who's, who's making the decisions and who shoots. You know, the game can be played at breakneck speed, and both teams really like to play that style. But down the home stretch, you know, when you get on the bus, when the game's over with, or, you know, in Nate Oates' case, when you end the home game, I think all of us just want the peace of mind that the shot that went up came from the right player at the right time. Right now is not the time to go self and, and, and pushing it and shooting quick, like to just drive and, and, and attack. It has to be a well-positioned drive and attack because in Auburn's case, John, you have the best player in America on your team. And trust me, the more that he gets the ball in these situations, the better for Auburn. Jabari is the best player in America? He's certainly the most talented. Uh, I think he's emerged for sure. How about that? Big statement. It's, ama it, it's, it's amazing. That, like you said, under two minutes, both teams have gotten stops. And rarely has either team really just said, hey, let's slow down and get a good one. They continue to just – yeah, push the ball, pace, pace, pace. You know, there's going to be a few possessions that one of these teams says, man, when we got that stop, we should have just slowed it down one time. You know, and I think in Alabama's case, Arch, they can attack you from so many different places. And, you know, it's, it's to me, equal opportunity favors them, right? Like if you say, who do you want to have the ball in your hand, in the hands, which player do you want to have the decisions you could, you could probably pick three or four depending on the night. Back to Auburn, their gift is they have that player. They, he can shoot from three. He can shoot from two. He makes free throws. He's 6'9". So I think that down the stretch, not that he has to shoot it, but he's got to be in, in touch it and, and be in the mix here. We'll see. 77 all, minute 40, and let's see what Auburn does. K.J. Johnson's an important guy for Auburn here down the stretch, too. He's a big-time scorer. He drives. He just made a nice finished play go. I would say that K.J. Johnson on the perimeter has got to have the ball at the end of the clock. He can get to the basket more so than shoot threes. Uh, you got bodies on the deck right now with six on the, on the timer. Yeah. You talked about Wendell Green. You wanted to shoot the most shots. Archie shot three. He's 0 for 3. I'd yeah. say of the three that he's taken, two of them have been uh, really, really tough shots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had a question from a fan, Kaylin. She says, coaches, how do we feel when Alabama was going on the 12-0 run that Bruce elected to not call a timeout? That's a hard question to answer because, A, it's your team, right? 
sometimes teams respond better when they, they don't uh, take the time out. You have a, a veteran group where you got a group that has tremendous belief. There's also coaches that love to play through that to get their team used to it. So, you know, I think each team and each coach is different. It's hard to answer that question based on me not coaching the team. I would say, though, rivalry game on the road, getting your best player the shots and being as in control as you can would probably favor you as the road team. You know, sometimes you get really close to those medias too. You know, you're, you're, you're on a run. There's 20 seconds to a media timeout. You, you think to yourself, we can just get through this next 20 seconds. I get a freebie and get to hold my timeout as well. So, you know, I think sometimes when those medias are lurking, you can be hesitant to use your timeouts, especially if you're trying to save them for the end of the game. Uh, they get Ellis for a foul. Yeah, tough some- call. That's a tough, I mean, that's a call there where they're, they're both pursuing the basketball. No, you know, those are the calls that you always want to ask the referee that blows the whistle there. When did you quit playing basketball? (laughs) Must've been at an early age because it has nothing. It's, it's, it's a right. It's feel right. It's savvy. You have to have feel and savvy. If you're an attorney, you have to have feel and savvy. If you're a coach, football, basketball, but when you're an official, you have to have that fear and that, that feel and that savvy. You have two hard playing teams kind of going for a loose ball. Let it play itself out. Now, if a guy gets hit on the arm on a shooting foul, that's one thing, but there's too many times where that one ref, he makes the call as if it's textbook and it's feel it's, you have to have some savvy. Mm. Auburn's defense has been good here in these recent possessions. It has. You know, I think if Alabama is not scoring quick in transition and they're playing later in the clock, it really favors Auburn. If Auburn can get them, if Auburn can get them in the half court, it's to their advantage. You know, they've struggled in the half court when they're not getting easy ones or early threes. Geez, they're playing it. You play it out here. Two point game, right? Five second diff. Oh, no. Oh, either way here. I think you can go uh, either way here. I don't even know. Were they trying to foul? I don't think they were. I'm actually surprised, and I, I believe this. I think Bruce Pearl is one of the best coaches in, in the game. I'm surprised that he hasn't rode Jabari a little bit more down the stretch, just simply because his efficiency from two, from three, and from the free throw line is just astronomical. I mean, you're talking about great in all three and at six, nine, you know, he's capable of getting a catch. Uh, it goes to show when you talk about Auburn's balance, balance and trust, um, he trusts them. And they're obviously a very balanced team. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Quinterly was thinking about a three and Smith comes flying up at him just to make him think a little bit more like, there's a pass. In my, in my opinion, he passed up a good one. He could, he should have taken that, that shot. Yeah, it was, it wasn't Quinterly. It was his, uh, it was his partner Shackelford. Yeah. Who passed yeah. up that shot. But you know what, again, six, nine coming at you. Only if you're him, do you know how that, how that feels, right? It's just, you jump up and shoot the three point shot. He can really challenge it. But again, remember we talked about John, the best defensive team in the last four minutes of the game has an inherent advantage and even though Kessler's not out on the court, Auburn's done a good job defending in the half court. Um, and that that call was big. The two points hey. that put Auburn up happened at 85 feet in front of Alabama's bench. 
we're, you know, we're almost 40 minutes in and Alabama has been held to 36% from the floor, 24% from three. Now they've done a one great thing during the game, which is why they're in well, it. That right was now. Quinterly, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. 24 yeah. for 29. I'm surprised, I'm surprised he has a shot. I'm surprised he didn't shoot that. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a green light. I mean, that's, that's his shot from the corner, you know, in his, in, in, like Sean said, that's a, that's a uh, six nine coming at you. That's a, that's a serious guy with some length running at you. You know I mean? He covered a lot of ground, but I'll tell you this 81 77, John winning on the road, winning on the road in a hostile environment. Then you take into consideration that Kessler fouls out and only scored two points in this game. Uh, they went on that 12-0 run Alabama did. This, this if Auburn pulls this out, this is the type of win that wins the SEC championship, you know, because at Alabama is a tough, tough game. Especially for Auburn. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just an extra dimension. Now, now there's the block, and there's that length of Auburn that's going to win this basketball game. Wow. That's why he didn't shoot the one from the left corner. The fact that they could go from Walker Kessler to Cardwell to Jabari Smith. I mean, the, the length they have. Here's, here's my question to you guys. After watching this game, what doesn't Auburn have? I mean, they have a lot of different ways they can beat you from offensively to defensively. Um, you know, I, I, I think Auburn at the end of the day, maybe, maybe shot selection or some, a game on the road where they don't handle it well, but they just can, they can stay in games. They can go on big runs. They're never out of the game. They, they can press. I mean, they just got so many different ways that they can change the game on you. I think Auburn, you can make a statement that if they're not the best team in the country, they're certainly a one seed in this year's tournament. Right now, that's the level that they're that they're at. They, there's a lot of basketball left, but based on how they've played to this point, the balanced roster, uh, the difference maker in Jabari, and then you have Kessler, as Arch has talked a lot about, his shot blocking ability not only is a great fit for the rest of their team, but it almost makes an already really good defense. Great. Yeah. He, I think he, when you look at their defensive numbers, they can beat you on defense and on offense. And, you know, when you start to look like overall, you know, schedule, blah, 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 you know, I think they have the number two strength of record in college basketball. I mean, they, they have, they've played a lot of good teams and uh, this one here tonight counts big though. It was a big win. Yeah, and I think we talked about the Southeastern Conference as a league with several really, really strong teams uh, that have potentially high ceilings if certain things pan out. But I don't think there's any team in the SEC right now that you could feel better about than the Auburn Tigers to go to Alabama, a team that's very difficult to beat in Tuscaloosa. Tonight, the Tigers showed that they can be in New Orleans. They absolutely can be in New Orleans because when you have Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler on the same team and you can bring a guy like Wendell Green Jr. off the bench, I know what you said, Sean. You, maybe Wendell's not always the guy you want taking the shot, but the fact you you have a guy who can be the energizer bunny on a given night. And no, he had 20. He had 20 tonight. I mean, my only point, and, and again, there's a lot of ways to get better as a group. Trust me when I tell you this, one of 
one of Bruce Pearl's great opportunities that he has with his team because he's got their undivided attention. They're great. They're filled with confidences, kind of really looking at different ways down the stretch that when they continue to get in these games on the road and playing in March on a neutral court, to never have that regret that you didn't utilize somebody that's as dynamic as Jabari is on offense. Again, at 6'9", when you consider points per game and the efficiency of him, it's not as if he's not going to pass the ball. It's just he's the go-to guy down the stretch. But when you talk about the SEC, John, Auburn, number seven in America on defense and efficiency. Kentucky, number 22. LSU, number one. Tennessee, number two. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about some of the best defensive, most athletic talent talent laden teams uh, in our country, and they're all they're all right there in the SEC to win on the road like Auburn did tonight. That was a major major victory for them this season to win at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you look at the SEC and you say, you know, today you'd have to say that LSU may be second in running right now in terms of being able to compete athletically with them and be able to bring the type of length that can match it. I don't know if LSU offensively is good enough maybe to overtop Auburn, but I definitely think from a talent perspective, when those two teams match up, they're going to look the part. Um, and Kentucky, Archie, you know, Kentucky will be talked about uh, Jabari Smith a lot, but – Terry Eason, he's what really he's good. done for LSU. He's basically look, what Walker Kessler right. has done. Tari Eason has had a very similar yep. impact on LSU. Tari Eason's ability to play their style, to defend, and to push the ball, to finish, and just, you know, the athletic talent that he brings to the table. You know, some amazing additions from one year, from last year to this year in the SEC. But, you know, those guys uh, – empowering Auburn and LSU, but Tari Eason and, uh, and Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, you think about like those teams. How about ago big Oscar as well. You know, big yeah. Oscar has, it wasn't, wasn't in yeah. playing. There's last a lot year. of, a lot of good additions. And John, what you see is the difference in college basketball, right? Wendell green isn't a McDonald's all American, but tonight he was right. But you catch him at the end of his career coming from a smaller school, you know, ditto, ditto for Oscar. Oscar's coming from not high school, but West Virginia, where he's well coached. You have a lot of different versions. Tari Eason, he's not from high school. He played at Cincinnati. So there's guys that are coming into programs that are impacting. We've talked a lot about Baylor this year. James Akinjo isn't an 18-year-old, 19-year-old freshman point guard taking over the reins from who those guys lost a year ago. So that's what makes the parity, the balance. And if you start thinking like, you know, it feels like more star power. I think one of the things that everybody feels is as teams build, they don't always build through high school. They're building through eligible immediately transfers, guys that don't have to sit out, that are coming from one school to the next, ready to play. And Walker Kessler and Wendell Green, they do a great job complimenting Jabari Smith and, you know, two of the three are coming from, from college through, through the portal. And that's the new way of college basketball that I think makes it maybe even more unpredictable now than it once was. Yeah, there's a lot of older teams for, for a change as well. I mean, you have some guys that are fifth-year seniors, sixth-year seniors, um, you know, second, third-year players transferring. I mean, 
there's some rosters and teams out there that aren't playing with very many young guys at all right now. Well, let's stay right there. I'll tell you what, you guys can get it done on the sidelines, but you know how to do one hell of a segue because we are going to take off right into Waco where tonight a guy that started his college career at Mesa Community College, classes are tough there. He went over to Northwest Nazarene University. His third stop was Winthrop. Tonight he's at Texas Tech. He goes for 14-9 and five assists. I'm talking about Adonis Arms and the Red Raiders, who beat number one Baylor, ending the nation's longest active winning streak, now held by Auburn. Texas Tech has beaten Kansas, and now Baylor tonight, number one, suffers their first loss of the season. Texas Tech 65, Baylor 62. Sean, how did Texas Tech do it? Texas Tech has an identity, John. Although Chris Beard left to go to Texas, Mark Adams is doing an amazing job. I mean, he he has just picked up right where they left off as a program. When you think of Texas Tech, what do you think about? Their relentless defense that doesn't let the basketball get middle. You know, they're icing all, pick and rolls. They're keeping the ball on the side. They play with amazing energy on that side of the basketball. This weekend, I watched them play against Kansas at home. And again, they're missing a couple of their best players right now. And when you watch them play Kansas, I haven't seen Kansas play. They made Kansas almost look timid to a certain degree. And usually when Kansas is on the road, they're ferocious. But I think a lot of it had to do with how Texas Tech made the game feel when they're defending. And their defense is outstanding. Uh, He's doing an outstanding job as the coach. And promoting from within, you could tell that he was a big part of their defensive identity as the assistant coach. And that defensive identity has remained intact. And that's something he deserves a lot of credit. Because you're right. If you could beat Kansas at home and at Baylor, uh, those are two of the most difficult games that anybody could play this season. No question about it. Mark, like you said, Fanta, Mark Adams, the only guy happier than him right now is Kirby Smart. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, they, they defended incredibly well down the stretch in that game. And, you know, what I look at with this game is the fact that they were able to generate 16 assists against Baylor, didn't make many mistakes. This is a night, too, where if I would have told you before the game, Adam Flagler and James Akinjo would combine for six threes, they'd combine for 34 points. On most nights, you'd probably say that's good enough. But here's the thing. I, Texas Tech was able to match Baylor's physicality inside. There's not many teams that can match the intensity in the post against Scott Drew's Bears. Right, and look at the points yeah. per game. Look at, the, look at the score. Look at the score of the game. Baylor had a hard time scoring. I mean, they did. I mean, if you, if you look at it this weekend, it was the same thing. It took Kansas forever to get to 70 points. And here tonight, you look at Baylor, it's just Texas Tech, when you think of them, you think of their man-to-man defense. It's difficult to play against. And the identity of their basketball team and the program is intact. And uh, what wins on the road? You know, Arch and I talk a lot about it. You know, if you can take care of the basketball, I mean, play single digits, 10 or fewer turnovers, and you could really defend without fouling. I mean, really defend. You have a chance to be in every game, whether it's 
home or on the road. But usually it's those teams that went on the road, they can defend at a high level. It, it just the game slows down. There's a lot of elements that work against you in college basketball. We saw it here tonight at the end, Auburn. Their defense was outstanding at the end of the game and allowed them to win. Fact or fiction? Arch. Yep. The Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball. Fact. fact. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a fact because number one, it's a true round robin. If you take Oklahoma State out of the mix, you know, you're, you're basically looking at almost 90, 80% of the league has a chance to get a bid in the tournament. And the one thing that's very unique about the league, and Sean mentioned it with the SEC, but if you look at the defenses in the Big 12, crazy. It's, 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 it's almost astonishing, which makes me think how are the teams that are going to find a way to hold serve like Kansas did tonight against Iowa State by one point is a huge victory as you kind of progress towards the end of the season. But Baylor's a top 10 defense. Texas is number eight. Kansas is 36. They'll improve. Texas Tech is fifth, arguably the toughest defense in the country. West Virginia, 22. Oklahoma, 38. Oklahoma State, 12. Iowa State, four. And then you have TCU and Kansas State, coached by Jamie Dixon and, and Bruce Weber. And both of those two programs are going to defend their ass off as well. I just don't know how you go into people's arenas through the course of January and February and light it up on, on a team. It's going to be some tough sledding in that league where Baylor, this won't be the last time Baylor drops a game. And I'm sure Kansas is, is looking at it saying a one point win tonight is gold as we try to win the big 12, because it's not going to be very many easy ones in that league. But I think the big 12 is by far the most complete league top to bottom. You know, Arch, the other team uh, that we really have to talk about is, is Kentucky because we're on the SEC right now. And if you watch them against Vanderbilt and you've been watching them, they're getting better. And what Oscar is doing as a college basketball player, when is the last time that's been done? I mean, you I don't believe I, I don't I don't think anybody's averaged 15 and 15 for a season. I don't know if, if it's been done, but I know it's not been done in a while. And he, he's averaging almost 17 and 15 rebounds a game. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, DeAndre Ayton was, in my mind, the most amazing physical specimen that I had seen during my time in college as a coach. And he averaged over 12 rebounds a game between 12 and 13. To average 15-plus rebounds – if that holds, I mean, it's just amazing to think about it. And then I think the next point, he's doing it in the SEC conference right now, arguably the most talented and athletic conference in the country, right? I've talked about the Big 12 and the SEC a lot, but to be able to rebound like he's doing and his efficiency and he's scoring and Ty Ty and him, you know, when you watch Kentucky really take off, they usually have that one-two punch arch, the one perimeter player. And I know sometimes more than one, but that one perimeter player, when the game is on the line that they put the ball in his hands and then his buddy, his partner. And it's like, and this partner can score at the rim, can score on lobs. They can play the two man game. And if you watch Oscar and Ty Ty as they're starting to develop that chemistry, right. And that's even when Wheeler is playing, you have two great players in college 
that are in that two-man game. And Kentucky is becoming more and more organized and efficient. And to me, they're they're trending in a real positive way right now. You know, you asked that question, John, would you buy them? Would you sell them, right? You want to hold serve? I would buy Kentucky based on the improvement that they're making almost weekly. And I think they're playing a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, I agree with you on Kentucky. You know, the one silver lining all the time, John, when somebody gets injured or you lose a player and the next thing you know, you have to insert or move some guys around. And what's happened is the ball's back in Ty Ty's hand a lot more right now. And he's a much different player than he was when we opened the season and he had the ball in his hands when we were, when they were playing Duke. I think the second thing about Oscar is the rebounding is incredible. What's going a little bit under the radar is he's putting some points on the board for those guys. I mean, he had 30 tonight and I believe he was at 20 some against Georgia at home. I mean, he's not getting like five points and 12 rebounds. He's getting 30 and 13. The number two rated offensive player. And, you know, sometimes you got to be careful doing it too early, but you get into mid January, late January, when everybody has played conference games now, numbers mean more, but he's the number two rated offensive player on Ken Palm in college basketball. Oscar is, I mean, to, to your point right now, Arch, from two, he's 111 for 177, 63%. And he makes free throws. He's shooting 73% from the free throw line as well. When you factor in his offense, he's an all American, right? I mean, that he's playing at an all American level. And right now, based on the talent in SEC, you better have a couple guys out there that you can say that about if you're going to compete for the SEC championship. Here's yeah. my take on uh, just just my thought process on them is for Oscar Tshiebwe to be that good. And by the way, the only guy that comes close to him in the sport right now actually plays for Utah Valley, Fardaz Amac, who's been around for a while. Uh, he's averaging 19 and 14 this year, which is impressive. It's not Kentucky though. But, but my thought process with them is, guys, it's amazing that Oscar Toshibwe is doing this. It's not like he has a Robin in the front court, another guy that he could play off of. It's a great point. Right? That's I mean, a great point, I and mean, he's a one-man band. If, if Oscar fouls like he did in the LSU game, game changes in a big way. They can't have him off of the floor. But you're right. He doesn't have a front court um, combo guy. Um, a four who can really space it or is, is, you know, a one, two punch on the blocks with them. I would say the biggest weakness of Kentucky is they, they don't have another front court player that can give them anything that they can count on. That's the thing they're missing. Sometimes it's Keon Brooks. Sometimes it's topping a little bit. Um, Collins, you know, he, he's not ready yet. And I think the difference is in Kentucky, what's going to sell them short, there's going to be games when he, Oscar, fouls, you know, and he has to sit. And until Kentucky can develop a little bit more of a bench and get some more productivity from their fours, um, you know, they're, they're going to struggle in some of those games when he's not on the floor. But you're right. He is a one-man band down there. And um, it's been really impressive where Kentucky's gone in the last month. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, um, I thought when Wheeler went down, they could struggle here, you know, as soon as he went down because he's handled the ball so much. I mean, he leads the SEC in assists. 
And um, Ty Ty and, and Mintz both have really stepped up and played well. And Grady continues to shoot threes for them. So they're doing a nice job. They got Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, coming up uh, this weekend. And that will be a huge, huge game in Rupp. Hey, John and Arch, the other thing is, don't underestimate Ty Ty Washington. He, he is the truth. I mean, he's a really, really good player. I mean, he had 17 assists the other night in a, in a conference yeah, game. Yeah. I mean, he can pass it. He can score. He can get to the basket. He's big and physical. He is a very good three-point shooter. He can knock him down. And I think the other part to not take for granted is, although he's a freshman, he's more of a battle-tested freshman, and he's the perfect player for Cal. You know, when you talk about a toughness and inner toughness, and I think that Cal has always loves players that play in his program that have that where he doesn't need to just be the engine to get them going. You know, they kind of inherently have it already. Uh, those are oh, the great players that I think really thrive playing for him at Kentucky. Ty Ty is that player. He has an inherent toughness. And uh, when he walks out on the court, he has a belief in himself and for a freshman for somebody that's 19, 20 years old right now, there aren't too many point guards in America that are better than him. And I know when he plays with Wheeler, sometimes you know we call him the off guard, but Kentucky plays with those two point guards. And we've talked about that as the season progresses and you get into March, having two of those guys will really be to Kentucky's advantage. Hey, since, since Wheeler's went out, he's averaging 16 and 10. Yeah. And he's doing a really good job. Perhaps a revelation. One guy goes down, another steps up or elevates his role even more. Speaking of elevating the role, there may not be a better freshman. There may not be a better player in America than Jabari Smith. He certainly looked like the best player tonight. 25 points, a career high as Auburn beats Alabama 81-75. And it looks like we've got Jabari Smith coming to us from Tuscaloosa right now. After a huge, huge SEC win, we're going to uh, wait to see if we can get him in here. Uh, but Jabari Smith, you guys, uh, looks like they're still waiting here. They might they might have headed out. We'll see if we can get him back. You guys talked about him. Um, it, it, this is someone who, it looks like we've got him back now. It looks like we've got Jabari Smith coming to us right from Tuscaloosa. And we thank Marlene for helping us out here. Jabari, John Fanta, uh, Sean Archie Miller with you here. Congratulations on the win, man. Appreciate you. 25 points, a career night, and a win over Alabama. That looked like an electric atmosphere. What did Coach Pearl say to you guys with less than four minutes on the clock? It's a tie game. What was his message? Um, you know, when we get in times like that, he really focuses on more – of what the players are saying, you know, we kind of take over the huddle and our leader, uh, Wendell, was just saying, it's 0-0 zero, zero now. Um, it's four minutes left. Um, it's 0-0. Zero zero, uh, and just and just our biggest our biggest um, message is to stay together. You know, um, no matter what, we just got to stay together. We knew our dead run was coming with that great crowd. They're a great team. So we knew the run was coming. So um, we weathered the storm. We stayed together. And we, get, we, we ended up getting the win. But his message was just to stay together, stay calm, not to panic. You know, he didn't want to come in the huddle real fiery and all of that. Everybody was just calm. We weathered the run, and we got the win. Hey, Jabari, um, have you ever played in a game that was more exciting than the one tonight? 
Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. Um, I think the my junior year when we played in the state playoff game was close when we played at Woodward, but that gym was nowhere near as big as that one. <laughs> I know what I think you'll find because you got more in you, but winning on the road in college basketball, but winning on the road in the SEC, it's the greatest feeling in the world, you know, for everybody, players, coaches, you guys get on that bus, man, and it'll feel like you're flying home. I already know. I already know. It, 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 it felt so good to win at home. It just, you know, it just, it just feels different because, you know, it's feel like you're there by yourself. But, you know, yeah. the Auburn family came with us. We had a great we had great support, and um, I wouldn't want to be nowhere else. So I got one, I got one final question for you, okay? Uh, coach Pearl, great coach, right? Does, do, you, do you get more – do you think he sweats more on you or spits more on you? Like, what gets on you more, his sweat or his spit? Or is it uh, – you say it's a combination. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He, he yells a lot. But you gotta just keep your distance a little bit so it don't get on. Trying to dodge. Hey, you know bit. what though? Uh, you guys feed off his energy. You feed yeah, off yeah. his energy, and he's he's a great coach. But Definitely. congratulations, great game. Appreciate you. Hey Jabari, I know this is um, you know early, somewhat early in the season, and this is obviously a huge win for your team. You guys are obviously competing to win the SEC championship and do a lot. What's Coach Pearl on your team the most about? which he feels has to be in place to take that next step. What is he on you guys about that, that he feels that you guys have to get done for you guys to take the next step as a team? Um, I would say just toughness, um, just getting those 50-50 balls, getting those extra rebounds. You know, I feel like, I feel like we could do better. You know, we, we real young and we real, you know, we all capable of many things. So we kind of take that, shot you know what I mean we're gonna take that shot to kind of try to close the run and stuff but we just gotta learn to settle down and just and just run our run our plays more but um that kind of that kind of feeds into how we play uh our, our strong suit is playing the transition playing fast so um his biggest message was was basically just rebounding and just rebounding and just and just um taking care of the ball turnovers has been big for us since SEC started we've been turning the ball over a little bit too much so um just focusing on just on value and possessions and just and just getting those 50-50 balls. Gotcha. Hey Jabari, I got one more question for you. Who taught you how to shoot? Uh, my dad. My dad got to get all the credit for that one. Um, he taught yeah. me when I was young. Um, that was the first thing he ever taught me. Um, him and my brother, we worked on it. Like he worked on it every day, really. So um, it's just and it's kind of in my genes a little bit that touch. So yeah, well you, I tell you what, watching you shoot the basketball, man, you you have a bright future and. You're fortunate to be playing on such an exciting, good team for a great coach. So you keep it going, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you. Good luck at Ole Miss. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, on the next one. Jabari, before we let you go, you had a legendary pose. That's, uh, that's what we're being told. Take mm -hmm. us through your pose. What went into that, man? Uh, uh, they kind of did it when they came to our to our um to 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 uh, Jordan Hare when they played us in football. So um, you know, I was front row. And some guys came over there and did it at us, and I just just kept it in the back of my mind. And uh, what do you call what do you call that pose, Karate Kid? I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but they did it at us, so we just did it back. I think home. it was the Karate Kid uh, Swan Kick or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Well, you, you enjoy that ride home, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Enjoy that ride home, Jabari Smith. Career high twenty five. Congratulations and enjoy. Th thank you, sir. There he is. That is Jabari Smith straight from the locker room in Tuscaloosa. What a win.
for the Auburn Tigers. What a moment. They look like the team that's in the driver's seat, the driver's seat of the Southeastern Conference, and a team that can get to New Orleans. Did, did I, did I karate kid? I think that that pose was the swan, you know, the karate kid, one leg swan kick, the, the kick winner he had when he was um, back in the karate kid, the first movie. I think that that is a football thing that the Alabama football team does when they score a touchdown. And I think that Jabari brought it right into Tuscaloosa tonight on, on the win. Yeah. Well, I tell you with that in the 20, what do you have? 26? He had 25 and something. 25. Yeah. 25. Yeah. It was an easy 25. You know, um, I hate to talk about the NBA draft in November, December, January, February, and even March. Cause March madness is the biggest stage. It's like, there's a time and a place for that. And sometimes I, I feel like when you're constantly talking about, you know, what hasn't happened yet, you're, you're actually not doing right by college basketball in a right. game like tonight, Auburn at Alabama, winning an SEC championship. And, you know, I asked Jabari, you know, is this the best game or the, maybe have you ever played in a game like this? And think about what he compared it to a high school game as a junior, like <laughs> forget how young they are. I mean, he's just starting to play, but let me just skip that and say, to me, he is the number one pick because his skill level is at such a such a unique level for somebody as young and as talented and as tall as he is. I mean, when you shoot the ball arch 45 plus percent from three and you're shooting at the level that he's at from two and you get to the free throw line and you shoot, yeah. I mean, it's just, those guys just don't come through very often and no disrespect to the guys that he's compared to. He's just so much more skilled and ready to come in and impact a game a year from now that I believe this, that and playing for Bruce Pearl, playing in the SEC, playing on an Auburn team that can go deep into March Madness. I think it's all laid out. I would be surprised if he's not the number one pick in this year's NBA draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I said it a while ago. You just don't see that type of frame do what he does. And I agree with you, him playing at Auburn, the intensity level that they play with on a night in, night out basis, they're competing for all the marbles in the SEC and moving forward. And uh, he's only going to get bigger and stronger. I mean, when you see him in two years from now, I mean, you're not, you're going to be like, oh my God, you know, it's just, he's a special player. Look, he, he really is. We know that both these guys are going to make money and a lot of money for a long time. But I have to naturally ask the follow-up that every fan in America wants to know. Why Jabari Smith over Paolo Bancaro? No disrespect to Paolo. And, and again, one man's opinion, right? Uh, tonight's my turn. He's just skilled. Like, it takes years to develop the skill set that he has. He has it walking in the door. When you look at the Golden State Warriors play and you envy somebody like Clay Thompson, ask Arch. We caught him when he was at Washington State and we were at Arizona and not everybody knew who, who Clay Thompson was. But when you played Washington State, it just had this really strange feeling. It was a feeling that not very many individual players could give you. And that was the combination of that speed and athleticism, but this just crazy skill level, the quick release, the accuracy, shooting the ball. And you think about Jabari, Jabari is six foot nine, his three-point shooting, 
his ability to score inside the arc, his ability to get fouled and convert from the free throw line at six foot nine. He's just, to me, more advanced than both of the guys that he's compared to. And I think at the end of the day, the NBA is a lot about the physical development growth and he's not tapped out by any stretch of the imagination. He's physically going to blossom in the next few years, more so than any other prospect. I think that you're watching in college. I think he has the most physical upside. So if you project him and say, what can he be? He has the most talent and he has the most physical upside um, in terms of like, what can he be down two, three years? I think if you look at Paulo, I'm not sure how much bigger, physically stronger, he's going to get bigger and older and stronger, but I'm not sure how much growth he's going to have in terms of his physical stature. He's a pretty big developed guy right now. And plus John, look, the other part is like, he's getting it done right now. Yeah. It's not like he's not playing well. (laughs) He's scoring 25 points on the road at Alabama. And it was an effortless, quiet 25, meaning the next game that he plays he's going to be right at 25 again. And when you look at his body type as well, you know, the versatility and his ability to play more than one position, all that is, is for sure true. But when you look at his legs, like he's thin, but he has strong legs. And, and when I look at his body type a year from now, two or three years from now, don't be surprised if he's not 20 pounds heavier and you almost don't even see it. It it could be a transformation where it happens actually fairly easy for him. And now you combine skill level and put 20 pounds on him. I mean, I I think that not only is he a a great player beyond college, but he could be an NBA all-star or one of those NBA players that, that everybody, everybody talks about for, uh, for, for decade. Who does he remind you of? That's a tough one there. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a guy off the top of my head that's come through the ranks that you would. Carmelo, maybe? Carmelo, Anthony? Wow. A little bit? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's I, don't, he, he's, I mean, he's a lot of people forget what Melo was in college and early in the NBA. He was physically really, really talented as well. Um, hey, look how Carmelo ended his college career. Yeah, but but I tell you, that's all part of it, John. And, you know, young people sometimes are baited into choosing the school where they can be the the man, so to speak. First of all, if you're really good, you know, you become the man. (laughs) Nobody anoints you that you you earn that like that just happens. But what I love for Jabari is that he's playing on a team that's really balanced. So he's playing team basketball he's practicing against really good players every day. All that Auburn has their eyes on is the SEC championship, a high tournament seed. And then once they're in a tournament, they will have the aspirations to go to a final four. And he's playing alongside those types of players with the pressure that those types of teams face playing for an excellent coach. And what that does is that's that highly competitive environment that just brings out the best in a talented young player. So I think his development over this next three, four, five months that we're talking about, he's only going to keep getting better and more ready, better and more ready because, you know, the bullseye is on Auburn. He's playing on a great team and he's right in the thick of it. All right. We, we've got, uh, 
we've had a loaded show, and we thank Jabari Smith for coming to us. We also had an interview earlier with the head coach of a team that beat number one tonight. It's Texas Tech's Mark Adams, who joined me earlier, five Red Raiders in double figures, and Texas Tech, after a win over Kansas on Saturday, takes down number one Baylor, ending a 22-game winning streak. Here's my one-on-one. One-on-one with the Red Raiders. Texas Tech knocks off Baylor 65-62. We're joined by the Red Raiders head coach, Mark Adams. And, Mark, not only did you get a win over the number one ranked team, but I understand you're just coming off a shower in the locker room. Tell us about it. It was unexpected. We we had a little uh, victory party, and uh, I did, I really didn't want to be a part of that. But uh, they threw me in the center of it, and we're throwing water all the place. So, you know, but it's, it's fun to win. It's exciting to – to win on the road and then to be able to be forced out to beat a team like the, the Baylor Bears, a team we have so much respect for, a great program. And, uh, you know, so it was uh, it was a great opportunity for us. We talked about it before the game started. Not many teams get a chance to to, to play against the number one team, and, and uh, let's make sure we take full advantage of it. So we did. What did you feel was the key to pulling it off? Oh, there were so many uh, – you know, moments and great plays. It was such an up, and, you know, I thought our defense finally, I think, kicked in, uh, you know, probably the last 30 minutes. Uh, the first 10 was just absolutely horrible, but then we started uh, gaining some momentum. By halftime, I thought we were uh, back in sync, and then we changed some defenses. I thought that was a big part of it, but uh, they've got such an explosive team, John. They're, they're just uh, one of the best offensive teams uh, that I've that I've ever had to scout or coach against. And just so much respect uh, for Scott Drew and his bunch of guys. Mark, let's talk about Adonis Arms. Uh, from Mesa Community College to Northwest Nazarene University to Winthrop University and tonight to Texas Tech, a big performance by him with the 14 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. What does he continue to give your group? Well, uh, you know, we, we remind Adonis every day. He, he is uh, how much talent. He, he's such a modest, nice young man that I don't think he realizes how great he can be. But he has a 45-inch vertical, uh, great skill set, handle the ball, one of our, our best passers, best three-point shooters, and, uh, and a good defensive players as well. But, uh, you know, I, I, we're so proud of him. But the, the whole country's getting to see what we get to coach and see every day. How did Kevin McCuller impact this game off the bench? Yeah, you know, Kev's played with so much courage. He's he's uh, still uh, probably about 70%. It, it was questionable where he was even going to play tonight. He wanted to play. I was trying to talk him out of it because I didn't want him to re-injure it. Uh, it was such a long season left. and But he wanted to be a part of the fight, and, and we could not have won uh, this game without his effort. He just made so many big plays for us. Mark, when you've been through what you've been through over the last week where you're without – Terrence Shannon again tonight. You were without Kevin. Everybody talks about shorthandedness, excuses. Easy to explain why why things didn't go your way. Why didn't you and the rest of this group allow the COVID stuff to define you? Well, that that's a um, a great point, a good question. We we just got a special group of guys. They believe in each other, and we're always talking next man up and. This is about a program, about a team, not about an individual player. And whether we have seven guys or, you know, or 17, we're going to get out and we're going to play as a team. And, and these guys believe in what we're doing, believe in the process. And it makes it fun for me to coach. 
Mark, how good is the Big 12 Conference? Well, I tell, I, I jokingly, I, I told someone the other day, I, I picked the, the wrong year to be a head coach in the Big 12. It's so many good coaches. These kids are all, these players are playing so hard for every team. And every night's going to be a war. I, I, even after, even tonight, when we finished our Lord's Prayer, I said, guys, you know, the reality check is we got a game on Thursday and then one on Saturday. So we got to get ready for those. All right. In the now, though, who's the best dancer on this team? Who has put the moves to the test? Inside that locker room. Well, I know it's not me. That's for sure. I, I don't know. I saw Bryson Williams uh, putting a few moves on, and Marcus, and uh, I think it well Adonis too. He's got he's he's skilled in that in that area too. He's he's a pretty good dancer. But hey, they were all having a lot of fun today. All right, well, but, but before I let you go, if you were going to dance to one artist, I got to know if it's a band or an artist through the years that the concert that Coach Adams has to go to that you would have played. But there's no way it was getting played tonight. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm not much of a dancer. Uh, I don't go to many concerts, but I'm sure it'd be. I won't say it, but I love the country western, so it probably weren't probably weren't some of those concerts. But I, it'd be a probably country western dance too if I was going to dance. So probably the two step. The two step. Well, you'll be two stepping back to Lubbock. What is it like in your? You you you've seen Lubbock in chaotic mode. There's been plenty of moments the past couple of years. Uh, what's it like in Lubbock right now? What's your message to all those Red Raider fans? Well, I, you know, we're uh, so uh, thankful that we have, we have such a great uh, fan base. The Red Raider Nation has been wonderful. And uh, ever since I've been hired, I feel very blessed to have their support. And, and they've helped us uh, even against Kansas. Guys, we needed them those last three or four minutes. We have great crowd support. So I'm hoping for a good crowd on Thursday to help us uh, get our uh, momentum going and emotions after these two big emotional games. Mark, congratulations on a terrific win over the Baylor Bears. I know how much you respect them. And all I can think is last night we were treated that great college football game. Imagine this. If people, the casual fan was just joining into college basketball tonight, one hell of a night, man. You guys beat Baylor number five USC, a real good team. They lost tonight. College basketball, right? It is every night. And we keep reminding our guys, we're just fortunate. We've got two W's here in the last few days. Two big ones over Kansas and Baylor. There's nothing like that in the Big 12. Mark Adams, thank you. Congratulations. Okay, thank you. God bless you. All right, thanks again to Mark Adams for the time. He's been on back-to-back Field of 68 After Dark shows. That tells you what kind of week he's been having. The Red Raiders are on a roll. And reminder, we're sponsored by Bet Rivers tonight. Proud sponsor of Field of 68 After Dark. Thanks to our partners, John Fanta, Sean Miller, Archie Miller with you, and it is time for Pac-12 After Dark. You, you can't forget, you can't forget half the country, right? That's, <laughs> yes, that's you the, can. It's what I represent, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, and what I will tell you here is COVID has really affected the Pac-12, and before everybody gets emotional, or starts to point fingers at the Pac-12 as a conference, it's LA County, and I believe it's Santa Clara County where Stanford's located. They are they have been as restrictive as any counties in our country. And when you watch UCLA or SC, if they don't have fans, and today you watch Stanford without fans, it's not Stanford's team or the Pac-12, it's the counties. And it's unfortunate because, again, like a year ago, I almost feel like 
the Pac-12 is almost buried with, with COVID versus some of the rest of the country, which is kind of playing, playing through. Not that the other part parts of the country haven't had their issues and COVID is certainly serious, but I hate it that so many games have been canceled because I think it affects the rhythm of, of conference play. But Stanford had a big win over USC here tonight. And I will say this, do not sleep on USC. As much as I think you have two teams trending up in the Pac-12, Oregon, which is very predictable under Dana Altman, their offense is catching fire and they're becoming a better team. And Stanford has quietly put together a really good two and a half, three weeks here. And uh, they have one of the best freshmen in the country, Harrison Ingram. Am I right, Arch? Yeah, yeah he had 20, he had yeah. double he had 21 and 10 tonight. He's yeah. won four, I think he's won four Pac-12 freshmen of the week honors already. But back to USC, they're the third tallest team in college basketball, height-wise, with the players that play in the game. And they are very, very difficult to score against at the rim inside the arc. And you know, when you're hard to score on from the two-point inside the three, two-point field goal you know, that gives you a real chance. It's not, it's not the firepower of three-point shooting and high-powered scoring, but when you talk about winning on the road and being a very good team, I mean, they lost one game so far, Arch, but I look at USC as an excellent team. I believe they're a team that can make the tournament and get back to their second, second weekend in a row. They were in the Elite Eight last year. Yeah, yeah I mean, USC, you got to give them a little benefit of the doubt. Um, they were shut down for a long period of time. I know Stanford was also um, in shutdown mode. So it's sort of two teams, but, you know, USC comes out of pause. They go right to Cal on the road and then they go home and then uh, where they stay over one of the two. And then they have to go right to Stanford midweek here on Tuesday. So they, they, they play two road games right out of the gates off their pause. That's not easy, but the one thing that's going to hurt USC and I agree with you. I think they're really good. I think they have seven wins away from their own building. Very few teams have played half hard their conference that. games. That's hard to do. It doesn't matter where you play them or who you play. Um, to have that many is impressive. But they're the third worst free throw shooting team in the country. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things that got them today. They're in a one possession game in the four minutes. They end up going missing 11 free throws again here tonight or this afternoon. And they took 32 of them, but they're a, if you're third worst from the, in the country in free throw percentage on offense, and you know you're going to be in a lot of games that come down the last eight and four minutes in league play, you're going to come up short on a few, and that's going to hurt them. It's just so hard to watch the Pac-12. Like I go back to Kentucky at LSU, the game tonight, Auburn at Alabama. You're watching these games and you're seeing the pageantry of college basketball and you're seeing a packed house. Right. And then you turn on Stanford in the middle of an afternoon playing against USC. And thank God Bill Walton was on the game because you almost couldn't watch it uh, if, if he wasn't. But it just, you know, hopefully that we can get through these couple weeks here out here in the West and become like everybody else, just like Arizona. They haven't played a game in what seems like forever. That's not easy to do. Turn it on and then wait, what, five days, seven days, 10 days, play another game. Now they've waited another week, 10 days. Hopefully that doesn't hurt their rhythm. UCLA, same thing. And they were on their own pause for a while. But we're talking about really good teams playing like two games 
in the last 20 days. And now not only are they playing two games in the last 20 days, but they might be playing in front of no people. God, it's just hard. You know, it's, it's hard. And I would just say this to wrap up my West coast uh, moment. Don't sleep on the Zags. They do it every year. I've been out here for 13 years. You know, they, they fade into the mountains there in the state of Washington and they're kind of out in the middle of the night and everybody takes their eyes off of them and quietly they keep growing and getting better. Why I bring that up is this year on Gonzaga's team, if you watch them, they have more young players than ever before. Some of their best talented, most talented players are freshmen that come in off the bench. And the more games they play, the more practice that they have, the more comfortable they'll get. And when you think back to them playing Duke and UCLA and Thanksgiving, when you see them in March, you'll see they'll be a different team because those young players will continue to improve. I also think this, unlike Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren isn't as easy to just plug in and, and make part of your system. You know, Arch, you and I have talked about it. You have to figure out what he can do, what he's not quite as good at right now, what he can get better at. And they're trying to figure that part out. You can see it. Uh, I'm confident in telling you that when that time comes in early March, they will be a ready-made team uh, like we thought they would be in, in early November. Nobody's talking about them right now, John. No one's talking about them. I mean, you're talking about tonight Auburn, right? You're not talking about Gonzaga. They're, they're still hooping. They're still playing. Yeah. Uh, deep, did you say uh, they fade deep into the mountains? You have to be out in, in the state of Washington to appreciate it. It's, it's dark. It's rainy. It's cloudy during the day. Mountains kind of are in the distance. Uh, you don't really know where you're at. You feel like you're in a movie. And then all of a sudden uh, you're in the kennel and it's, uh, oh my God, these guys are good. They, they sneak up on you, John. It's vocabulary that I would expect out of our buddy, Steve Lavin. Very wordsmith of you there, coach. Thank you. I, uh, I'll take that as a compliment. Pitt grad and 1992 communications major. Really? And he went to class, right, Arch? Who was the better? Who was the What'd better? Who was the better student between you two? Arch. You know why? Because he played for Herb Sendek and Herb made him go to study all 21 hours a week. So he had no choice. He thrived. How much study hall did you go to? There's a lot of study halls. Two on Sunday. Didn't go to study hall. I was working on my game. Two on two on Sundays. He didn't go to study hall. He didn't go to he didn't go to a lot of places. Hey, I got a quick one on the Pac-12, and I wonder. How much this is going to impact um, the league? We got a, we got an audio. Dagan, are we? Dagan, you. Hey, Dagan, you're going to have to wake up. You got to get out of the uh, hot tub right now. He may be he may be sleeping. He was in Indianapolis for the game yesterday. I mean, come on, you can't hang us out to dry. I mean, so one of my one of my questions is as the is the Pac-12 develops, and you you made a good point on Oregon. If Oregon would ever resemble the Oregon that they can be, do you know how hard that game's going to be to play them, beat them, and then what it's going to mean when you lose to them because of their unorthodox non-conference? You know, it's almost like you're playing a team that is a top 25 talented team that, that may put it together, but you may lose to them and have a, a, a 
of in some cases a bad loss, maybe depending on their resume. That's going to be a hard deal for Pac-12. I've been watching them. They're getting better. And exactly, you're you're right. You know, in the Big 12, you have a team like Texas. We're not talking a lot about, but you watch, John. When it comes to Selection Sunday, the Big 12 will bolster Texas, and a team like Texas will end up getting in the tournament. And we both, we all know, they're good enough once they're in the tournament to advance. But you have to get into advance. In the Pac-12, you have this inherent built-in anchor. And whereas only three teams can get in unless the fourth team wins the Pac-12 tournament because of the historically bad non-conference that everybody had. And some of it was self-inflicted with the schedules that some of the Pac-12 members played. Sure. You, you, you have to help each other in November and December. And we talked a lot about that in November and December, the importance of non-conference scheduling so that you bolster each other. And then when teams improve like Stanford and Oregon in the months of January and February, you now can help, you help each other. And now a fourth or fifth team gets in. In a Pac-12, that's not on the cards because of what happened in November and December. Okay, we're at Oregon. Oregon's climbing on offense, like you said. They, they go to UCLA and to USC this Thursday and Saturday with USC just playing on Tuesday. I think Oregon played on Monday. So no they're, fans. Starting to, they're starting to make them up. Oregon could throw some real problems into that league. No yeah, that's, fans. That's an issue then with, with resumes because then it's a damaging loss in the now, but we'll see. Hey, we're at like two minutes here. It's 12.08 a.m. on the East Coast. Wow. So if you've stayed up this late with us, you are in for what I'm being told is, is a surprise tonight. What's the surprise? The surprise is right here. <laughs> here we go. At Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> are you kidding me right now? Baker Mayfield isn't going to be walking in any stadium anytime soon this weekend, Fanna. Get the, get the <laughs> hell out of here. That is a bunch of crap. Big Ben. I wear oh my God! Ride or die. Look how bad those That's colors embarrassing. are. <laughs> ride or die. Do not come in here. With you can ride or die. Off. Only playoff teams allowed on this podcast. This is a podcast of winners, Fanta. Take that hat off. You're not in the playoffs. Put hey, a playoff hat on. You can start singing. The, the The Cavs are doing well. Hey, come on. How are we marketing? How are we marketing? How are we marketing? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what? Hey, Evan Mobley until he yeah. goes down. But Evan, you know Mobley, what conference they're from, right? The Pac-12, the Conference yeah. of Champions. Conference one and done, two one and done players, freshmen, right? You talked about Jabari Smith, Evan Mobley, and Lowry Markin were two lottery pick one and done players. I talk to Arch all the time about that. It's like every year the Pac-12, who they produce in terms of pros, it's crazy. It really is. It's crazy. It's not as crazy as that Cleveland Browns hat you have on right now, though. Were you in the were you in the dog pound ever? Oh, was I in the dog pound? Were you ever in the dog pound? I've been shirtless in the dog pound. You guys want to see? Uh, you know what, Fanta? Here's what I'm gonna say. You're like a great point guard. You bring out the best in me. 
You bring out the best in your teammates. The sign of a great point guard, he makes the game easier and funner for his teammates. You are the point guard of podcasts. Here's my closing thought. (laughs) I wipe with the terrible towel. (laughs) Oh, that's awful. That's awful. Coach just got off. That's he it. did. He that's signed it. off. That's it for Sean and Arch and uh, and Dagan Hughes. Please get some sleep. God yeah, Dagan, Dagan needs some rest. He's had a rough rough couple of days here. Oh, man. You think Sean will be okay? He'll be okay. You don't have to worry about him. <laughs> I'm John Fanta. Good night, everybody, for Field of 68 After Dark. We are back tomorrow. It's going to be another big night in college hoops, 11 Eastern time. Join us, follow us, and thank you to Bet Rivers.